Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Welcome to the GM Shuffle. It is draft week. You know what that means? What's up? It means everybody lies. <laughs> Everybody lies. More so than usual. Yeah, like uh, uh, there's a line around St. Patrick's Cathedral <laughs> of all the people going to confession Forgive for the Forgive me, lies. Father, for I've sinned. <laughs> yeah, I'm lying my ass off right now. Everything, uh, you know, uh, milk. Somebody calls up and says, who we drafted? Oh, yeah. You think we're going to draft that guy? It's lying season. But would you ever, like as a GM, go, right, I particularly like this reporter of this media personality, so I will indulge him and tell oh, him. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Rick Gosley called me on the phone and said, like, who are you thinking about? Because Rick was – here's the deal you about these uh, – conversations you have with with media people you, there's got to be an exchange of information right if it's a one-way street i mean what good is it right yeah rick goslin you know he would say okay here's what i hear he would never dime out his sources or anything here's what i think i'm hearing out of this organization or here's what i think i'm hearing out of that organization i can remember him one time uh when he was talking to someone at the colts and he had this small school defensive lineman that tony was in love with and he would never give me the name you know mm-hmm. and i'm like He's small school guy. So, you know, you get competitive in, in this thing, right? Yeah. So I'm like going through every small school guy, every small school guy. And there was this kid, Pearson, from uh, Central Florida, Southern Florida. It was an incredible workout. Mm-hmm. We ended up drafting him at the Raiders. He had a little bit of a loose end. He had about 17,000 guns. Probably not a right idea to have. Anyway, <laughs> was that was a bad. But it was Robert Mathis. Wow. And, and it took me forever to figure it out. But I went through it and I got it. And I, but Robert Mathis was like six feet tall. I couldn't imagine me going to Al Davis. Al, look, I think we should draft this six-foot defensive lineman. Oh, right. fuck. Get the hell out of here, kid. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Pack up your stuff. Get out of here, Lombardi, oh, right now, these oh, stupid suggestions. I'm going to send you to Elba. Well, this is where it gets interesting. Napoleon escaped from Elba. Very good. Very high class here. As you said, a few days after the drafts, everyone's lying right now. But, you know, if you just separate, Mike, the smart ones and the not-so-smart ones. I'm sure the not-so-smart ones are, like, chasing their tails like a hamster on a wheel right now. They're not really sure what they have. They don't have consensus. Everyone's arguing, bickering. Is it the smart organizations are, like, pretty laid back at this point? We, we know where we are? Or, yeah. or is there still stress? I mean, there's experience that matters. I th- I'm sure Mike Mike Mayock's really stressed because, I mean, you know, people are making too much of a big deal about him jettisoning the scouts from the room. Seriously, he's going to make changes in his organization. None of those guys want to be there anyway. None of those guys really are bought all the way in. So why should they stay? And and look, when you have somebody who has discontent in the room, you might as well ship them out. Like there's no sense in, look, you know, you can only have people that you know are fully vested. Now, where Mike's going to get into a problem is when he gets into situations in the draft is who's advising him. You know, who's advising him? Who's helping him? Especially Gruden. Gruden's got the red phone. Oh, he's calling right Gruden's now. Gruden's got his shopping cart out. Put more offensive guys in the bag. <laughs> Come on. We, <laughs> we, we don't have a receiver. Do you realize? So you keep track of every team's visits, right? Mm-hmm. So you try to do it through the media. And of course, naturally, some of these teams, they can't help themselves. Well, we had in these three players today. Right. You know, we had these seven players in today. Well, that, you're giving away information. Mm-hmm. The, the Raiders brought in six receivers. I mean, they're just not going to help themselves. And now, now, if the reports that are out as of we're recording this Monday morning, if the reports are out, Pete Prisco reported that perhaps Kyler Murray is not going first in the draft, right? Yeah. And I and I can honestly tell you, no one really knows. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really knows. Anybody says they know for sure really doesn't know. You know, and so 
if he doesn't go for sure, if he doesn't go one, where does Murray go? Do the Jets sell their pick at three or do the Raiders pick him at four or do the Raiders move up to two to the 49ers? Do they jump that up? They got all those extra picks. Do they go ahead and get them? Because you got to lock it in. If they, if Arizona can't trade one and they pick the defensive tackle Williams, right. which is a really good pick. Mm-hmm. If they do that, then all of a sudden the, the Niners are on the clock and they could shop their pick. For Arizona not taking Kyler Murray, do you think what what's playing into that mindset for Cliff Kingsbury and company? Is it that they don't feel Murray is worthy of number one? Is it that there's other needs they'd rather shore up? If they don't pick him, what do you think was the reason not? I to? think the reason they don't if they don't pick him, it's because they hired Cliff to fix Josh Rosen, not to draft Kyler Murray. At right. the end of the day, that's the to me, that's the main part of this whole thing. Right. Because why would I have hired you if I got to draft Murray? I could have just I should have just hired Lincoln Riley. Right. You're the quarterback whisperer, so you figure it out. Yeah, Yeah. you figure it out, you know? I mean, you know, it's – so I think to me it's like that's the whole sole reason why. If they don't – and I think when it comes nut-cutting time, do they really want to go ahead and trade away Rosen for no value at all? Right. I – I think I I tend to believe they're not picking them, but that's just I have nothing to say with it because nobody's given out any information. If they don't pick him, who do you think they pick then? You said Williams? Yeah, the defensive tackle. I think he is clearly one of Quinn Williams from Alabama. Quinn Williams is one of the better players. It's a clean pick. Right. He's really he's a high energy guy. Space eater. He's right in the middle. Inside. And what people are making too much of a mistake about in this draft for me is the fact that the defensive tackles impact the game and the passing game way more than the ends do. And here's why: because they can get in the paint. And quarterbacks hate somebody around their feet. Right. Quarterbacks hate that inside. Pr- we see it with Aaron Donald, yeah. right? They hate that inside pressure. Whereas the challenge of this draft, and I think this is where people are going to have to be really astute about the draft, is everybody says there's a lot of great edge rushers in this draft. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are guys that run from around the corner. Okay, but the problem in this draft is designating who's the fourth rusher and who's the fifth rusher. And here's what I mean by that. The fifth rusher is a guy that if he comes, he's the fifth guy coming, so everybody's one-on-one. Maybe he can win, maybe he can't. Mm -hmm. The fourth rusher can just beat anybody you put in front of him. That's a different animal now. Like, you take this Burke kid from Florida State, okay? Mm -hmm. I think that's Burke, right? He just runs around the corner, can't wait to run around the corner, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, as Parcells eloquently said, the worst place to be in football is two yards past the quarterback because he's yet to turn and run that way, right? right? So, like, all these edge guys that just run the corner that can't power, they're really more fifth rushers than they are fourth rushers. Right. But and edge rushers you, are always the sexiest, though, because you always see the high sack totals, and you say, oh, my always, God, a third long. Everybody's got them in there. Everybody's right. got to go in. But if you can't power right. the left, if you can't power a tackle, yeah. you can't really rush in the NFL. You can't do it. It becomes too problematic for you. You've got to be the fifth rusher, not the fourth. And if you draft a guy, the 10th or 11th pick in the draft, and he's really a fifth rusher, you blew the pick. That's why I feel like teams are smarter than fans realize with that respect. Like Fletcher Cox in the Eagles is so invaluable because, like you said, he's a guy in the middle who controls that entire defensive line. Aaron Donald's another one as well. Yeah, no, and I mean, they really impact the game. Jeffrey Simmons, he impacts the game from the inside. I mean, right. you've got to find guys that can do that because, look, if the quarterback's going to be 5'10", like Murray, mm-hmm. and you get a big guy inside like Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he gets his big hands up there, he's batting balls down left and right. Yeah. And that impact, look, every time a quarterback throws the ball out of bounds or gets a pass batted down, that's a huge play. It's not a sack, mm-hmm. but it's a huge play, and it impacts the game. And I think we don't, we tend to lose sight of that. And this draft is filled with guys that people think can run around the corner because they got a good 40 time, they got a good short shuttle. But can they power any tackle back? Look, any tackle doesn't care about a guy running around the corner because he knows his quarterback's going to step up. Right. What he cares about is somebody's going to power his ass back. 
So let's suppose Quentin Williams goes to number one. Number two is the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, we hope, comes back fully healthy. State and porn stars. He's feeling good. Loving the life. <laughs> who, who do you think the Niners take at number two then? I think the Niners are in love with those edge rushers. I think Joey Bosa is the guy that they're going to take. But, I mean, this is the third draft for Shanahan and Lynch. They've always leaned towards big school players when you break down their thing. They've always been height, weight, and speed emphasis. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll take need over anything else, right? So they need a defensive end, and I think that's all what it's always been about for them. So huge draft for them because John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, Kyle's running the draft, okay? Mm-hmm. John Lynch gets to do all the interviews, but Kyle's running the draft. Right. And they got to come out with some players because this – this, this is year three of the program. If they don't make a significant impact in this, I, I don't see where they go. And I, I think that Bosa's a guy that's been on the radar. Now, they got to hope Bosa plays to the level against everybody, not just against Indiana. Yeah, there's some fear that he's not his brother. Like, he's good, and he's got a pedigree to him. But to your point, he's not a sensational talent. Right. He's good talent, and I think he can power. I would say he's one of those ends that can power. I think he's more of a fourth rusher than a fifth rusher. I would say that with him. Here's my thought when it comes to the Niners, Mike. Is this a team, like you said, you, you want to let the clock run down a little bit. If I'm a fan of the team, am I getting upset going, hey, what are you guys doing? Like I start panicking saying, well, you guys had all this time to make your decision. What are you stressed about right now? Or do you want that clock to go down to build up some intensity and uh, urgency? I think you really got to do due diligence and you got to work the angles as much as you can. I think you got to really feel comfortable that you're going to work the telephone, work everything that you want to do. I mean, they have spent as much time on defensive players as anybody in the draft. They've worked them out. They brought him in. The other position they're going to draft is wide receiver, but it isn't going to be the second pick overall in the draft. So I think they know where they want to go. I think they have to do their due diligence because they do have an asset at two. I mean, look, who would have thought that they would have got what they got for, for to trade away from Mitch Trubisky just to flop, right? Yeah. And all it takes is a little bit of patience. You know, we all need to learn patience in life about everything. And I think when you're a little patient, especially now, if you get to the 10-minute mark and that phone and you're the Maytag repairman, not that you're not busy, but you know, <laughs> nobody's calling, yeah. right? Then it's time to cash it out. And then you say, hey, but one thing about picking two, you have every scenario. I'm sure this week, hey, if Murray doesn't go, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. If Murray goes, what do we do? If Murray do- if Murray goes one, what do we do? Yeah. We've got we- every contingency there. You've got to work it through. And, and you don't have to have everybody in the room to work it through. But John Lynch better know, hey, look, if I go down to five, here's what I'm going to get. If I go down to three, here's what I'm going to get. If I go down to 10, here's what I would get. And then play those scenarios out. Take yourself, move yourself down to 10 and say, okay, we're in this cluster of players. You don't know who you're going to get. And then move to 15. Okay, would I rather have this pick and three other picks or two and then play it out? Which is why it's interesting because in terms of the depth of the draft, is this a draft where you think the accumulation of picks is more valuable than a first-round pick? I think I think the here's why I think sometimes accumulating picks is more important because if you hit on a free agent, okay, you have to tender that free agent in the fourth year. And that that could be $3 million, $4 million. That could be a high tender. Whereas if you can get that guy as a draft pick, he signs a four-year contract, you don't have to worry about the tender. Yeah. So sometimes having all these picks is better than having college free agents because if you can pick the guy and you get the right guy, you don't have to worry about that tender year. Whereas now some teams are worried about that tender year. Do I pay this guy $3 million to just to keep his rights because he's really good? You pat yourself on the back for getting an undrafted free agent, but it costs you in the long haul when you look at the total package. So I think that that's important. But I also think this is a draft where you've got to really make a really good decision in terms of where you feel like there's the blue chip players are gone. If you think Williams is a blue chip player and you're picking two and you, you think there's five blue chip players, then you don't want to go to five. You don't want to go below five for one value, but you'll go to 15 for another value. But you've just accepted that we're not getting a blue player down here. 
like I'm going to say there's five blue players in the draft. Here they are. If I go to 15, I'm going to get seven of these. I'll get these players and play it out. And that's how you have to do it. But you do it by sitting in the playing that mechanic. It's like, you know, when we were kids, we used to play baseball right on first and third. Yeah. The ball hit to the second. What do we do? Yeah. That's what you got to do. It's situational. Situational. New York Jets at three. Oh, this is the best. This is the best. I mean, uh, sell my, the pick if Murray's not taken. Yeah, exactly. He's going to hold an auction. I mean, this is this is one of those where you know in uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book where he talks about the Warren Harding theory. Yeah, is this outliers or outliers? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I mean, like Mike McKagan was there the same time that Todd Bowles was, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bowles is working as a defense coordinator down Tampa. McKagan's getting to pick another pick, and their team sucks. <laughs> Can you explain this to me? <laughs> Look at Gladwell on line one right now, because you're right. Two guys are part of the same failure, but one gets blamed for it all. One guy gets elevated. Yeah, I mean, and here's the other thing. I mean, the guys picked, you know, you got Sam Darnold, right? Mm-hmm. He's a career quarterback. They think they're going to move forward with him and all that. He's picked four offensive linemen in his entire career at the New York Jets. Right. Only once, one before the fourth round. And you wonder why their line stinks? Right. Let's not protect the quarterback. We got let, Sam Hill no, fixed. I got everything. a plan. I'm going to draft two receivers in rounds three and four. Meanwhile, they're not on the team anymore. Oh, but I get to keep my job. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a sexier picks, though, right? Because people get they get enamored of the fact, oh, we got this wide receiver. We got this flashing burner. I'm like, no, no. Fix, like you said, just like defensive linemen. Fix the interior guys. Fix your O line. Protect the quarterback. I, I don't see how he doesn't protect the quarterback. I mean, obviously, he wants to sell the pick. Clearly, he's going to want to sell the pick. And right. one thing about the Jets is they, they're, they'll talk to a thousand teams. Their information gets out. So you'll know if they pick ed oliver over williams from alabama they're insane they're i would just go tell you right now they're insane yeah ed oliver had a lot of hype going into last year he plays for a smaller school but he's a little bit undersized there was some question about motivation. Well, he's a five-star kid so everybody oh my god he's a houston got a five-star kid like it really matters right right like that that really like it, it as bill walsh used to say it doesn't matter where we pick him it matters how they play yeah. right how does he play he was under he's, he's really a nose only i mean there's guys in this draft that can do just as much as him in the later rounds. I he's mean, undersized. That's the he's biggest undersized. issue. I mean, I think he's a good player. Yeah. When I pick Williams over him, not there's no board in America that has Oliver ahead of Williams. None. Big guy, pedigree at Alabama, one at every level. Oakland at four. <laughs> you mentioned the Raiders sent their scouts home. If Murray's available, they take Murray. I would think they would. I think they got to be talking about trading to get to two. I think if, if Arizona can't trade one, mm-hmm. okay, and you know San Francisco is going to try to trade too. They don't want to go too far because they're going to guarantee themselves they'll get a rusher because they know, you know, maybe they could get both at four and still pick up picks, right? Yeah, they could true. do that. Here's what people don't understand: the last of all the quarterbacks in the last three or four years, there's only been one that hasn't been traded to get, and that's Baker Mayfield because he's the first pick in the draft. Yeah. Okay. Everybody else, a team has traded up to get. Now, if Murray doesn't go one, that means you're guaranteed three trades somewhere in this draft. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to be in the top ten, but it means you're going to get three pl- trades at least. And now, if Murray doesn't go one, you're going to get four trades. Yeah, you're right. There's always movement to get the quarterback. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You go, we got to get that guy. We'll make the call. Right. We'll give up a second, a fifth, whatever the hell it is. Let's make sure we get our guy. Right. And and, and the problem with Arizona is they don't want to. Some teams don't want to move away from what they believe is a blue chip player. So if you don't want to move away, you know, I'm not going from one to six because I'll lose a player. I'll lose Williams or I'll lose this guy that I got to have. Whereas if you're, if say you're San Francisco and you're deciding between Josh Allen and Bosa, you like both players, maybe you go to four. You're going to get one of them, right? Yeah. I'm guaranteed if I don't, again, the horizontal board, if I don't fall in love with having to have a guy, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get one. So why not take it? So I think that's, that's the conversation. Now, Oakland, do they go up and get the two? I mean, what would have to happen if San Francisco could really maximize this is just say Williams goes one and San Francisco's on the clock. 
San Francisco would be smart to take it all the way down to the end of the time to make, obviously, people think somebody's coming up to get the quarterback mm-hmm. and try to engage somebody in the quarterback and be willing to go down and get more picks instead of just saying, I got to have one guy. Right, because to your point is, if you want a rusher, you're gonna, there's a pick of a couple. There's not much separation between those right. two. So you'll get a guy. Right. You got you to play your cards right. You got to be, you know, you, you got to be smart in the sense that you can't say, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have. Yeah. You know, you can't lick the cookie. You can't lick the cookie, okay? But I want to, Mike. I'm hungry. Come on, please. No, you can't. You can't do like KGB did and lick the cookie. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to. Don't give away your hand. Is my point. Number five is Tampa Bay. Where do you think the Buccaneers go? This to me is an interesting team. Obviously, they don't need a quarterback because Jameis Winston, although he's been disappointing the last couple of seasons, they're a team that would like to make a move right now in that division. But where where do they go? I think they'll definitely go by team need. I think they'll go by team need, and I think they'll go linebacker. I I think the the white kid from LSU is really a good player. And I think that there's a lot of teams want to get that guy. And I think he's fits them perfectly and he's clean. It gives Jason Light, the general manager who's been all over. He's another one who's been able to get away with it. First, he gets hired by Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith comes in and takes over the throne in Tampa mm-hmm. and he gets to handpick his own general manager. That's Jason Light. Lovey gets fired. Light stays. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now follow me. Yeah. And then Light hires my man, Dirk Cotter. Yes. Okay. Then Dirk gets fired. Mm. Light still stays. Okay. <laughs> is the he, light still on at that point? The light is on in Tampa. And I think he's got to pick a, a player that's clean. He's all going to be by need. And I think the need is all defense. I think they have to. I think that's what they want to do. And I think that's that's how they'll proceed along. I mean, because when you look at his drafts, I mean, he's had uh, multiple drafts over the, last, over the last few years. I mean, mm-hmm. he's had – I mean, he's been there since – 14, he's had 34 picks. He's used 20 on offense and 13 on defense. Wow. So it's all been predicated on need. Now, those 34 picks, you would say, okay, you know, he's got to have a pretty good team. You pick that many players. Uh, not really. Let's talk further about the quarterbacks because I'm with you that Kyler Murray gets a lot of the talk, but this isn't like last year's draft, Mike, where you had all these quarterbacks just say, who do you like most, Baker, Mayfield, or Sam Darnold, or Josh Rosen? Here you got a quarterback class that isn't nearly as strong as last year. And next year, everybody can't wait to get Tua Tungle-Vailoa from Alabama. Two years from now, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Well, how much is the drop-off here with these other quarterbacks? When you're talking about a guy like Drew Locke from Missouri, Daniel Jones from Duke, who I don't think is particularly special, but he might get drafted higher than people think. Where's the separation now after you get – Haskins, how high does he go? Well, I, I think this whole quarterback draft is fascinating because – there's no guarantee. Like you could say Murray's a lock that he's look, Murray has incredible talent. Oh, uh, there's no doubt. He's got a great arm. He's got great feet. There's no denying that, yeah. but he still is five foot 10. It's still an issue. It's mm-hmm. going to be an issue. So you got that concerns. And then you got Daniel Jones, who to me, you know, he's, there's a lot of things to like about him, but the Duke offense, there wasn't a lot of skill players. It became hard. I think he's probably the number two quarterback on most teams board. Really? Yeah. Ahead of Dwayne Haskins. Oh, I think there's no doubt he's ahead of Haskins. Haskins, you're going to get into some situations where how much, look, this guy's the face of your franchise. You know, Haskins is not, I'm not sure Haskins can do everything you want him to do in terms of the leadership of the team. That's it's, it's a big role. And he doesn't have great anticipation. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have great rhythm in the pocket. He doesn't have a great feel. The problem with this draft is if you grade it by what we talked about last week, which is grade the draft by not where they'll go, but how they'll play, there's a lot of backups in this draft. Yeah. I, I'm afraid when we look at this draft three years from now, we're going to say, but there's a lot of backups. You know, Drew Locke, nice player, you know, threw for under 60% in his career, more of a backup than a starter, you know. And, and he could be the third quarterback taken, maybe and, the fourth. And somebody could trade assets to get him. Right. But you could end up picking, you know, Jarrett Stittman from Auburn. Right, Jarrett Stittman, yeah. 
and and you might have a backup with him and you get him in the third round. Right. You know, I think there is really there's a Finley. There could be so many of these. I'm not a Finley fan, but yeah, there could be so many of these guys that you pick. You, you, the worst thing you can do is pick a quarterback and still need a quarterback. <laughs> that would be the absolute worst. And, and I'm not sure possible. when somebody does this that they, I mean, look, Denver's made a living out of picking a quarterback and still needing a quarterback. Oh. They, you know, they draft, they, they signed the heist and Brock Osweiler. Right. Right. Then they draft Paxton Lynch. They've, they spent two assets and still need a quarterback. This draft has all the earmarks of that. So of the four quarterbacks, the top four to be taken, I think we think Kyler Murray could be special. I don't think we're guaranteeing, but he could be special. Daniel Jones, you think, could be number two. I'm not sold on him. Drew Locke, you, like I just said, under 60% passer in college. And then you got Dwayne Haskins. You have questions with leadership. Those could be your top four quarterbacks right, right there. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, crazy. It, it's really insane. And, and, you know, look, they're all not going to be stars. I mean, go back and listen to the rhetoric when, when my man, Jamarcus Russell, came out in the draft. <laughs> Yeah. Listen to what people said about him when he came out. Now, everybody says rifle arm, can't great, miss prospect, can't miss pro right. Well, nobody's saying that about anybody, and these guys have as much chance to miss. Now, it comes back to character. You know, Parcells is big on how many wins a guy's has yeah. in his in his total. There's not a lot. I mean, Murray meets the Parcells criteria, but he only played one year, so he doesn't really meet the Parcells criteria of having that many wins. Right. Okay. Somebody else. Some of these other guys. I mean, Tyree Jackson from Buffalo. There's a kid who's really athletic. He can throw the ball from here to Penn Station. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got a gun. And, you know, he's not very accurate. So that's a concern. So you, there's going to be a lot of development going on. And I think this is really what this draft is, a developmental draft for quarterbacks that are overpriced. I think you're paying. It's like trying to go buy an F-150 right now. Yeah. Like, they're ridiculously overpriced. <laughs> Just wait. The market will come down eventually. Well, it Just may never come down, but, I mean, at some point, you got to say, wait a minute. The market's overpriced. I'm better off picking a guy in the third than I am picking this guy in the first. I'm getting a backup anyway. Like you said, get a Tyree Jackson, a guy who doesn't have maybe as much upside, but maybe he's more reliable. He's not worth the expenditure I'm giving up in a first or second round pick. Yeah, like, I, do you really think that when you draft Daniel Jones, like, I like Daniel Jones. Do I think when I turn that card in, I've got the future of 10 no. years? I, 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 I mean, don't I, see it. I don't see him going in the first round. Like, I don't think he should go in the first round. I should say he may go in the first round. But I mean, like, that's a first. I've never once seen him, Mike, and go, that's a first round. Yeah, that guy, wow. That guy's a can't miss. Yeah. No way. Yeah, I, and you know, and I mean, the, the Thorson kid from Northwestern. There's yeah, another Thorson. kid. Yeah. There's another kid that people are talking about. I mean, there's, they're, we're talking backups. That's we're a not backup. talking starter. Absolutely. At Northwestern. So, at Northwestern. So are you going to spend an, a huge asset for a guy that potentially isn't? I think that's why the word comes out now Denver's not going to take quarterback in the first round. I think Denver probably figured it out. You know, they fell in love with Locke, then they fell out of love with Locke. Yeah. And now maybe they feel like they're just going to get a backup. Hey, AD, you know what's coming up? What do and we got? We got Mother's Day. I and love I, Mother's Day. Mother's Day, the greatest day of all, you know, because everybody loves their mama, you know? Remember that song? Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, there's, there's lots of different mama songs. I'll always love my mama. She's <laughs> my favorite girl. Anyway, you know, you, you're moving. you got a big thing going on. You're going to have to come in hard on this one. You can't go. No you, question. You, as Uncle Junior said, you can't come light. You come heavy or don't come at all, right? I put my wife through a lot of stress. You're absolutely right, right about that. So Mother's Day, she's getting pampered. She's getting taken care of. But we, we got a spa, maybe a massage, something. I got to look after because you're yeah. right. Mom deserves it. And my own mom deserves whatever, whatever stress I put her through her entire a life. A absolutely. And, and really, the best way... For me, what I do with Millie, with my wife, the best way is I got to get a gift, but I also got to set the the tempo. It's like you got to have the intro, right, to the gift. And yeah. flowers, to me, are the best intro. And any, especially in May, because 
it's the perfect time for flowers. There's no question. It doesn't even matter what kind of type, what kind of colors, packaging, a vase. I mean, when it comes to pro flowers, they take care of you honestly in the best way possible. Because like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not a botanist. I'm not gonna be able to go <laughs> no. there and figure out what's a good flower for this year. You know, I But I you know colors. No question. Uh, you know colors and you want certain colors and then it looks so good on the table and you feel like a sense of pride that you have accomplished something because you've sent something that will, will always be out for the week to honor the Mother's Day. And no I think question. that's the best gift to start off with. Express delivery means you get the flowers that are fresh. It's get right from the farm. I mean, you and I on the farm, could you imagine us? No. Tilling the hay. Yeah. Got I, our hose out. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. I can't even cut down my own Christmas tree. Like, you go do it. You get the saw, you cut it yeah, out. It's it, perfect. That, that's my whole like, you don't know how to do that? I'm like, listen, I... God, God bless. I make enough money, I can get someone else to do that. You right? know what I call it? Stimulate the economy. <laughs> I'm stimulating the economy. So stimulate the economy right now. Right now, get one dozen assorted roses for $19.99. Double the roses, get a premium vase for just $9.99 more. Visit proflowers.com. Click the microphone on the upper right corner. Enter my code, GM Shuffle. That's proflowers.com. Click the microphone, code GM Shuffle. Mother's Day is May 12th, so don't wait. Order like a pro and get this amazing rose deal to thank all the mamas in your life. Thank you. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's go through some of the other glamour positions. Those are quarterbacks, which we're not really sold on here. If we go wide receivers, oh, man. the oh. top five wide receivers. I love this. This drives me absolutely freaking insane. Everybody says, don't you count on the combine 40 times. It's ridiculous that just people are making a mistake with the 40 times in the combine. And, of course, naturally, everybody's number one receiver is, DK Mech- is Metcalf, right? right. Who, who runs – who I call three routes. Okay, I call him three. He runs three routes. Right. Okay, he's cut 26 catches. Mm-hmm. One thing people don't understand about receiver, it's an instinctive position, and you got to have production in college. Right. How many? I mean, Kevin White had production in college, except he couldn't produce in the NFL. Right, West Virginia going to the Bears. Yeah. Right, I mean, and he was a blown pick from the beginning. Why? Uh, why is he a blown pick? Because Kevin White can only run three routes. He can run a vertical route, he can run a comeback, and he may be able to run a post. That's 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 Metcalf. Metcalf's a three route runner. Now, oh. all you fantasy players at home, if you like that and you got those three routes in your offense, God bless you, take them. But you're going to have to run some option routes. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to run some in cuts. You're going to have to run some snags. You got to run a tree to be a really good receiver. If a defensive back knows you can only go one direction, it's like D'Angelo Russell in the NBA. He can yeah. only go to his left, right? Right. Everybody plays him to his left. Now, if he beats you to his left, that's great. But if Metcalf can't run more than three routes, 
Who's going to beat him? But you're right. That combine, people watch it. NFL Network, they're, they're salivating over this guy. Right, and everybody remarks, you know, this is the gymnastics Olympics. Oh, meanwhile, right. we put Mer- we put Metcalf as the number one receiver on everybody's board. Right. Like, is that a comedy or what? <laughs> like, that's a comedy. Like, tell me. So think about think about the Ole Miss program, okay? Mm-hmm. Think about Ole Miss. They got a left tackle who's a really good player in Little, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? They got a left tackle. They got two receivers, Brown and Metcalf, right? Yeah. A.J. Brown was a player. It's certainly in college. Everyone talked about it. Okay. Numbers, et cetera. Their, their quarterback's a prospect. He's a backup player. Mm-hmm. He's a backup player. So they got a quarterback. They got two receivers, a left tackle. And they stink. Now, what, you that know, can't all just be a bad defense. That all can't be a bad level if you're next yeah, level. Exactly. Right. So for me, like, I, if you want to take three route, like that Chark kid last year from LSU. Oh, yeah. Who DJ ran real Chark, fast. Yeah. He's a three route guy. Right. He can't, he don't, never plays as fast on tape when he's got his spikes and when he's got his shoulder pads on as he does when he's out running. Right. I mean, LSU, he couldn't do it. He didn't do it last year. Maybe he'll jump off the charts at Jacksonville. You take three route guy, you don't take guys that have a passing tree to them. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can go anywhere. To me, uh, the the kid Keneal Harry, yeah, Keneal Harry, yeah. Now to me, that's a legitimate receiver. Right, that guy can play anywhere on the field. He can play F inside. He can play X outside. He can go inside and make the catch. And when the ball's in his hands, he's a beast. He's right. a freaking beast. He can go get it. Now everybody has him going late one, early two. Okay, great. You take Metcalf before him, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. Like seriously, yeah. you're just. I mean, that that would be. I've lived that before. Yeah. Darius Hayward Bay. I wasn't in the room when that happened, just for the record. Yeah. I mean, like, he can't run. He can't play that. He's a three-route guy. Right. Who's another receiver that you think could be special along with I, I think the Calvin Harmy kid from North Carolina State. Again, I think you got to look at production in college. I don't think you can take a receiver without production. I think this receiver projection. Now, look, I know Demarius Thomas didn't have production in college, but that was circumstantial. Right. Okay, but a guy, the way people throw the football today, the way people can throw the football, you've got to have production in college. You just can't sit there and say, oh, like I think Hollywood Brown is a really good player. Mm-hmm. I think Hollywood Brown's a special player. I think he brings something. I think Akeem Butler from Iowa State's a good player. Like I think all these guys, they produce, they have numbers, and they can win. And they have size, and they can push off, and they have the ability to separate because of their bodies and because of their quickness. What gets tricky, too, is people end up thinking about, all right, make a gutsy pick. In the case of Metcalf, you're right. People say, oh, he's a sexy pick. Look at what we have here. You can easily sell fans on after seeing the combine, but it isn't necessarily a smart pick. Having said that, who is a player, a sneaky pick maybe? Who's a guy that you go, you know what? He's not sexy, but that guy's going to be productive in the NFL. He's going to go at some point. Whenever a team gets him, that's a smart pick. I think the Samuel kid from South Carolina. Debo Samuel, yeah. I think he's a really good pick. I, th- I think Harry and Samuel are good players. I think they're going to be pro players. I think they're going to advance their careers when they get into the NFL. Because, look, one thing we know for certain, one thing we know for sure, there's going to be somebody, some receivers going to be picked in the third, fourth, or fifth round right. that are going to be better than anyone picked in the first. Right. That's just what happens if you look at past history, right? And why? Because people can't evaluate receivers. Because, A, there's always free access in college, mm-hmm. so they never have to get away from press. Meanwhile, as soon as they come in the NFL, somebody's punching them in the mouth against press, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have to win routes down the field, and they have to be really imbalanced vertically at the top of the route when they get in and out of the route. When you're Metcalf and you're not in balance, even though you can run as fast as possible, you know, people, quarterbacks, when you're not in the right place at the right time, they're not going to throw them the ball. Right. And you can't quantify that toughness because the college game is so different. It's NFL. so different. It's one of the hardest positions to evaluate. Any tight ends that catch your eye or? Well, I think that's the other problem is the tight end situation is look, there's really no whys in the in the draft. Everybody's everybody is is to me more of a guy. I mean, Hawkinson's the obviously the best tight end and people have him go on top. But again, it goes back to that fourth and fifth rusher conversation. Here's the d- dilemma. 
in the first round. If you say a guy can do X, Y, and Z, right. and you pick him in the first, and he can't, you screwed. And we've all made this mistake before. Right. So if you say this guy can be a Y, and he can be on the line, and he can block, and he can't, you screwed it up. And I think a lot of these guys, like Irv Smith, to me, he's just a big F. Right. You're better off just getting a big receiver than you are drafting. Irv Smith is going to get in the way. He's not really going to block anybody. It's not It's not going to be like, okay, we're going to run the ball behind Irv Smith here, and we're going to gain five. That ain't happening. What's crazy is I always got two guys, too, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. I don't right. know which of those guys is better. You think Hawkinson's a little Well, bad. I think Hawkinson, I think Fant's more of an F. I think, right. And he's more the receiver guy. But here's the problem you get into it fans don't understand. Are we better off putting our third receiver on the field? Are we better off putting the tight end and create the mismatch? The only reason you want to be in eleven, uh, in 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, is to get an advantage. Okay, so when the Rams went to 12 in the Super Bowl and Everett was the second tight end, Belichick said, nah, screw you. He ain't a tight end. He's a wide receiver. Right. So I'm playing nickel to him. You get no advantage. Now, if you got a guy who's a tight end and can block and you're in 12 and they got to stay in base, that's the game. They got, they got to stay in base. All of a sudden, I'm screwed. What do I do? If I keep base on the field, they'll throw me out of it. If I put nickel on the field, they'll run me out of it. That's where these positions become so multidimensional. And that's where well, Belichick and I were sitting at a game. Well, this is going back to uh, Cleveland. We used to have David Modell, God rest his soul. He used to have tickets behind the bench at the Cleveland Cavs when the Cavs were good. Yeah. And, and I learned something so profound that day. So we're watching Jacks, Phil Jackson coach. We're right behind the Bulls bench. And the Bulls are good. They got Pippen. They got Jordan. They got Horace Grant. So when, when Lenny Wilkins would substitute his team, Phil would put his two index, his fingers, and you know how he would make that. The pinky fingers, make that whistle sound. Make that whistle sound. And he would switch Jordan from two to three, or he would switch Pippen from four to one. And as soon as they made that move, the other team now was screwed. Right. Okay. Because they just substituted to get, now they got to match up to this point. And then as soon as Lenny would substitute again, Phil would whistle out, move him around, never substitute. That is the essence of football. That's the essence of football right there. Mismatches. Mismatches without having a substitute. Mismatches without having a substitute. When I have a run, when I have LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield, I telling you what he's going to do. He's, we're going to run the ball. It's either play action or run. Right. Right. It's a little bit like scouting. Everybody thinks scouting is about finding players. No. What scouting is about is eliminating players, right? The same thing with playing defense. You want to eliminate what offense they can't run by who's on the field. Make them one-dimensional. Make them one-dimensional. So if they have multi, if they have 12 and they can run it and throw it, I'm screwed. If they have 12 and they really can only throw it out of 12, I know what I can do. So now I create the advantage. And that's where people miss the whole boat. We will not this, – this discussion will never happen on draft day. But that's the essence of the draft. Yeah. We have to find players – that creates multidimensional situations without substituting. So you want versatility as much as anything in your players. Right, but the problem is, now here comes the problem, yeah. evaluating, the, evaluating the versatility. If I draft Irv Smith, what do I really get? Do I get, I get a big F. Can I force them to play base against Irv? Can I force them to stay in that? Or if he's on the end of the line, can he block anybody? Is he just going to be support? And, oh, if they have a corner on him, can he win the matchup against a corner? Can he defeat a corner? Can he win with quickness? So you got to answer all those questions. Right. And, and the problem with most scouts scouting is they don't understand the NFL well enough to answer that question. So they think Irv Smith's a really good player. Most of the guys that are doing the draft on television, they just evaluate the player, but they don't evaluate the details of the player as it fits within the specific offense. Right. So if I draft Irv Smith, he's got to be able to win against the corner. He's got to be able to win against the backer, and I got to win the matchup. Do I get that? If I spend a first-round pick on him and I don't get that, I just, I'm screwed. Yeah. 
And, and you got to constantly ask this. So you want to create an offense when the Patriots had Hernandez and the Patriots had Gronk. They were in 12 and you were screwed. Last one before, because we have a second pod coming out later this week. But I just want to talk running backs. How does the draft look running? Running backs feel like they've been devalued over the years, Mike. How about this year? Is there any players? With you know, I, I think the Sanders kid is is obviously a really good player. Penn State, one-year starter, uh, the, the vaulted five-star recruit coming out of high school. Yeah. So Miles he, Sanders, I feel like, is a pretty is a really, But he's not going first. The Jacobs kid from Alabama, undersized, didn't run really well. What I find fascinating is how we talk about these running backs that don't run well enough. Yeah. You know, like really but Josh Jacobs wasn't the feature back in Alabama. No. It was Damian Harris. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, but really what you want is quickness, foot quickness and balance in a running back. Right. The guy that runs the fastest doesn't necessarily mean he's the best. Sometimes the guys that run fast don't have balance. So I think we get, we use like running back is an instinctive position. It isn't always the overly athletic position. Mm-hmm. I like the kid Henderson from Memphis state. Now it's Memphis. I'm too old, but anyway, Memphis, I thought he was a versatile, but remember yeah. this about running backs. I think this is critical. It, yeah. Everybody thinks it's run, catch, pass. Okay. That's the way you evaluate running backs. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's block, pass protection, catch, run. Wow. And if you don't, if you're not good in protection first, and you can't protect, then Tom Brady's going to look behind you and say, get this ass off the field. He can't block. Get him out. Put him <laughs> over there. So he's done. So no matter how good he runs, he ain't on the field, right? Right. So if he can't pass protect and save my ass from getting killed, right. let him go stand next to Belichick. Okay? Right. Because on three downs, how often do you run on the ball? You're right. You, and if I can't just take you out if I can't trust you on third Again, and Again, it, go, it goes right back to if you can't pass protect and you're in the game, and these smart coordinators say, you can't block, I'm blitzing your ass. Right, third and seven, here we go. I'm coming right at you. Right. And now I got to take you out because you can't block. So it's block, catch, run. Meanwhile, when we draft, we, we evaluate them, it's always run, run, catch. We forget the block. That's great stuff. We are off and running here on the GM Shuffle. Next podcast coming up in a couple of days. We will talk about the schedule, specifically how many trades you expect in the first round and... Donovan McNabb taking shots at Carson Wentz. GM Shuffle, baby. We're off and flying. That's it for the GM Shuffle. Find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows.